0: Now, let's brew something up.
1: Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Event Brew. Uh, You are listening to the voice of Deanna Wosu, event consultant and uh, industry fodder, I guess you could say. Uh, I'm joined today with uh, Will from Endless Events and ooh, Nick ooh. from All Seated. Um, it's been a while since I talked to you guys. Uh, Travelled for work, we missed you. Caught COVID, had family stuff, and came back around. So uh, welcome. We're glad it's you're back. That again. that's
2: the most ooh.
0: important thing. Yeah, Will, have you ever got COVID? Not yet. Uh, that'll of. <laughs> Yeah. Neither have I. I, I. I. So it's not just me. I just felt like it's a sign that you don't have friends, but you have friends. So it's <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I have I, friends. I was very hesitant at the beginning. I think that's why. Yeah,
1: I was Um. I was I thought up. I was going to be one of those people that would never get it because I yeah, this is my first foray with it. I I'm vaxxed and boosted, Um. Yeah, but I, I caught it at an event. Surprise, surprise. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah exactly but um
1: but you know we're recovered we're doing well and back at it um so just curious uh what everyone is drinking today i myself am drinking water because in my post-covid life uh trying to hydrate and get back to some semblance of healthiness what about you will
0: Ooh.
2: So uh, I had to remember exactly what's in what I'm drinking because it was, it's so good. So I'm drinking a butterfly milk tea, butterfly pea milk tea, which is the tea that turns blue. Super cool. Uh, It has rose extract in it and pink cheesecake foam. It's called the blue chata. It tastes like horchata Um, and super duper good. Um, And yeah, I got from this place called dingleberry tea and coffee in Phoenix.
0: Oh, that's that was real.
1: definitely the question of where you got that because I knew that there was <laughs> no way. I heard this phrase on TikTok the other day. It's hilarious. Residential coffee. I knew there was no way it was a residential drink.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, it's like residential,
0: residential like Folgers.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, like something you <laughs> brewed at home. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I
0: I consume residential beverages almost exclusively because I mm-hmm. do everything residential. Uh, <laughs> I haven't left my house. Is it, in is it residential three coffee days? if
1: it's a DoorDash? That's, that's the question. That oh, I know. do a lot of that stuff. Yeah.
2: I don't think that counts as residential because yeah. that's like, yeah, like delivery. Like, is coffee.
1: your barista in house yeah. or out of the house? Yeah, the my question.
0: barista is a plastic tub <laughs> that I scoop out of. Uh, well, oh, wow. <laughs> that's like, you just have like a bathtub full of coffee that you just like <laughs> stick your hand yeah. into. It. Yeah wow uh yeah uh, the word butterfly and there was other a bunch of words that i didn't ever yeah. hear together It he said P, but it's pea, but butterfly Butterfly. yeah, yeah i just yeah. instantly was just like it sounded like the parents of the you know peanuts are talking or something i was just like <laughs> wah, wah, wah. i'm drinking gatorade how about that that's it's it Ooh. done it's not mm. made from anyone that's uh special
2: what flavor um, today
0: I, I just drink the lime cucumber. I have oh like gosh. Uh, thirty Check some bottles last episode of it. for the history of lime cucumber with Nick. Yeah, <laughs>
2: it's it's my go-to
0: The margarita
1: thing. version of uh,
0: pretty much. Yeah, I mean you could baterine. make a really weak margarita with this for sure.
1: <laughs> I read an article. Oh, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, and I was talking about the rise of Pedialyte as a uh, oh, hangover boy. cure. Oh yeah, they're marketing it's themselves differently. Right next Must to the red have. cups. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I think uh Powerade and Gatorade definitely uh they have
0: their own versions now. They have like ga- Gatorade and oh. yeah, like they uh oh, wow. they, and they're aiming it at uh, obviously not at babies. Uh <laughs> babies who party too hard than I mean, <laughs> sort of sort of babies. Most babies <laughs> yeah. do party really drink hard.
2: drinking at too much milk.
1: Mhm. Oh, They'll be milk wasted. wasted.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's a Vegas must have drink. Pedialyte. You should definitely <laughs> put it in your room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. d what are you what are you drinking
1: just water I like i'm trying to i'm trying to um uh not drink my calories and uh also stay hydrated because are
2: you a tap water filtered water bottled water
1: filtered from the fridge so fridge Mm, water nice okay Mm -hmm.
2: but can you do tap water at all or no
1: i can like if i go to restaurants i don't order bottled i'm not that bougie because it's a it's a two for one. It helps my waistline. and It helps my uh, wallet. You know, Heck free yeah. water.
2: Well, some people I know I don't know if we talked about this podcast just won't drink tap water. Like if it comes from the no. tap, no. Um, so no. I
1: don't know. That's I'm not, not most people. No, I won't <laughs> drink. I'll drink tap water, but I won't drink like bathroom sink water. I know it's, it's oh I'll essentially drink. I'll, the same I'll, thing, I'll... but it's just a it's the thought.
0: the thought the thought that counts it's the thought that counts huh i stick my hand under that sink for all my 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 pill uh lubrication so for me (laughs) you're gonna find me there don't ever use the word lubrication you know what i I, (laughs) try to to mix it up i don't
1: don't know what kind of transition i can get away from the word lubrication (laughs) well you can Um, slide right into the next topic
0: oh (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, let's (laughs) let's do that. Let's slide on over um, to today's topic. So we were chatting about the current um, wave of the Great Resignation, as it's been dubbed, and um, how there's been a lot of transition of people job hopping, leaving industries entirely, and um, just curious if we think that events could potentially be the cure to the Great Resignation and how events can play a role in um, the new employer culture uh, that companies create moving forward. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to kick it to you because I feel like you kind of started that conversation. Yeah. But um, yeah. What are your initial thoughts when we have that question?
0: I mean, I, I I'm really uh, kind of surprised by uh, the findings I've had over the last uh, few months of looking into this pretty pretty deeply. Uh, that the uh, corporate world, the, the fact that I got that was just fascinating from this uh, marketing or this HR symposium I was at stated that uh, last year, 2021 was the most productive year in corporate America since world war II. So I was like, okay, so what is like, let's unpack productivity. Yeah. And like, it, it's kind of amazing. So you're like, all right, so is, and it was, it was stated as, as a, is remote and hybrid work working. Many of us in the events industry, we hear the word hybrid and we have like all these thoughts around that. But like hybrid when it comes to the workforce is just the idea, similar concept, obviously, but it's it's people who are working from home or or not in the office and people who are working in an office doesn't have quite the negativity around that as such. It actually is this big positive boon. Uh, that doesn't have any, not as much emotional, other than maybe people who are in the business of selling um, commercial real estate for businesses. That's they're they're like the equivalent of the events industry on that one. Like, oh, come on back. Uh, and the difference is, is that with productivity being that high, I mean, like a seventy-year high, uh, it it went against what people had been saying for just as long that you have to be. Uh, accountable, you have to be in front of a manager, you have to be managed, uh, and all the things that uh, specifically middle management has been preaching as, as a requirement for effective business. And meanwhile, it's it, on, on benchmarks uh, associated with productivity, highest it's ever been. So uh, remote work isn't just something that is a convenience, something that is a gift, something that is comfortable. It's practical and it satisfies the bottom line, which wouldn't necessarily throw people off like will, who's been in that environment for a long time. but the corporate world Truth. has not preached that, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like it's been the thing that they've incentivized. and the tech in the tech world, we, weirdly, you'd think the one that would facilitate this has actually been one of the biggest pushback or you know pushers against this as well. Um, and that's why they install, things like slides and pinball machines and all kinds of goofball stuff in their offices to keep people working around the clock in order to, quote unquote, satisfy productivity. Uh, but productivity benchmarks uh, for this this one study that I was reading are, are actually just purely KPI based. So they're not based on hours put in, you know, which is not really a, a useful metric for really anyone. Uh, but in fact, work being accomplished and that's what rose in a uh, in an unprecedented time of remote and hybrid work. So, um, we're in this world where it's been it's been proven the only negative, like people wanted it, and the only pushback came from it's not going to be as productive, and it's been categorically proven untrue. So it sounds like this is the new status quo, right? Like there's just no objections.
1: Well, I think the the objection that mm-hmm. I have heard a lot excuse me, and kind of lends to our conversation is the loss of culture and how do you replace that in a distributed workforce, and a hybrid workforce? Um, how do you create connection between coworkers that aren't next to each other in a cube that are now, you know, states apart? Um, they can't just go to happy hour. Everything has to be planned mm-hmm. and scheduled. And um, so I think that is a fair question. Yeah. Is how do we create that distributed. Um, but I wanna go to Will because to your point, Nick, you've been doing this since the beginning of your company. <laughs> so uh you should be the leader in this regard.
2: Yeah, well I hope I hope so. I think, you know, it was funny i remember when all the remote stuff started happening i was like
1: yeah finally everyone will understand
2: and then you know as a competitive advantage now i was like no go everyone go back to being in offices <laughs> yeah. because that was like we were like that so cool and innovative <laughs> yeah people were like it's, i want to work like, for you
0: only because you're remote you know <laughs> it's, it's like the problem of being a leader is that if you yeah. do it right and it and it's the right way to do it you create your own problem or you know you just can't hang your hat on it anymore because uh, you've, uh, you've proven it. So it's like the worst part of being a leader is that everyone else will eventually copy it. That's true. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, so that, that was just a funny joke that I wanted to make, but, uh, the, the, the idea of like connection is so important, you know, like, you know, I like to think that we have a pretty well run remote company, right? Like we've been doing it long enough that like, we really understand how to engage people to a maximum level, right? We do things like virtual donuts, we do things like uh, company socials virtually, you know, like, I think we do everything short of just being like, yeah, like, f- like flying people all around the country so they can keep meeting with each other all year long. Um, and I will admit, too, that, like, you know, we've talked we've been wanting to do a company retreat for for the last, you know, four years longer or so. Um, and the last two years or last like two years or so, it's been hard because of the pandemic. And this is kind of the first year that we're capable of doing it. Um, but like you you people crave it all the time. I remember the first time. Um, that I brought together, like a big chunk of the marketing team together for IMAX and Nick will remember this too, because he was, he was a part of this is that like, they got to meet each other, like for the first time. And like, after that, like those marketing team members were so Tightly bonded together, Mm -hmm. that they're like inseparable in so many different ways, and so like I think a big trend that we're going to see in the 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 world is that connections are going to be built online, but then like solidified in person versus the other way around um, that we're seeing, and I think that future is going to be ridiculously important because you know even with how you know focused and intentional that we try to make our culture so that that way people are engaged and feel connected with each other, it's not enough. And, you know, the one thing I think that's next is the like the big company wide retreat, flying everybody to the same location and putting everybody room and just like seeing what happens. And I think there's a lot of potential uh, for for this to be what keeps a culture strengthened further not just you know that and that's what i think is going to be really interesting is that like you know a lot of benefits that you guys are talking about like the ping pong ball tables like they're attractive to get people to come in but like what's going to get people ultimately to stay is and yeah i think events can be a factor in that i don't know if they're the sole answer but um (laughs) yeah i don't think they're the sole
0: answer either
2: thing because you could have like oh we're going to do a great intro event fly everyone to hawaii but like you make everybody use email and they, that the communications horrible. You have three hour long meetings via zoom, you know, all those things like that. Like I think, but you know, I think it's going to be one of the next big things that's going to keep people around. I mean, like I'm searching for what that next big thing's going to be right now too, because like I said, mm-hmm. like it used to be remote culture was a hook, it was a hook line sinker. And now it's the, the bare minimum.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it'll be interesting, like when you see news about Salesforce buying a property or I don't know if they bought it or if they have a lease, um, that huge property just for the purpose of company retreats and flying people in for, you know, workshopping and meeting with their teams. It'll be interesting to see how that segment of essentially it's kind of incentives, but it's not tied to performance, right? It's It's bringing people together, getting them behind the company missions and objectives and goals, giving them connection, maybe finding a way uh, for mm. them to reflect, rest, reconnect, you know, do some offsite adventuring, but it's not tied to, oh, you met these metrics or you were the top performer in your department. Mm. It's literally, we want you to understand what it means to be in this company in the flesh and not just how you experience it and you're, eight by 10 office at your home. Um, So yeah, it's kind Mm. of like it's gonna, I think it's gonna expand the people who are already really popular in the, or not popular, but um, immersed in the incentive market. It's just gonna expand that and kind of be a different uh, uh, bucket, if you will.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I was in that environment quite, quite some time with Merit's. And I can tell you that even within the Merit system, like at Fenton, uh, Missouri, like where they have their, uh, campus, like people there, I mean, I was a subcontractor, but I was, you know, nearly full time, uh, and a number of the other people that were remote when you're called into the campus, it's a pretty great experience because they have, um, like, uh, these academic spaces and they have, uh, like really cool, um, designed, rooms for education uh and and collaboration because they're in both the incentives business and the event space so uh it's uh it's it's cool to see like somebody you know using it but i want to like so we're talking about events as like the the ticket i think one of the the pains uh that comes from where we're at right now uh, with high productivity is also high silos and i think that like there's a um oh
2: yeah if you're going where i'm thinking you're going
0: There's a short term on that, you know, like it, it, while the productivity is really, uh, you know, high and that, that was a year, I don't think it's necessarily the long run, uh, in, in the status quo, exactly the way it was done. And certainly there was a lot of, um, pivoting being, uh, taking place as well. So the productivity could have been a, a part of that, but the, the silos require like bridges essentially to, to, uh, to go between, um, silo to silo and there's a lot of designed experiences that can help break down silos. I mean yeah. and, and activities, uh, things like hackathons and networking mm-hmm. events and and also just an awareness of uh, of people within your organization who are not the people you have to talk to and only talking to them about things that you have to do in order to get a project complete. And I think that like that's the missing component when it talks about belonging to an organization, uh, is that you have to also know people that you that you feel like you're you're a part of that aren't just people who work within your own department, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that I think events could be really useful at uh, bridging. Like, if, to have you done point, that, Will? Right? Have you been yeah. part of or Deanna? Have you been part of that like those kind of experiences? Without yeah, like I a goal, like, right? Like they're not just like, yeah. Like it's just a, a bonding project.
2: experience, pure bonding yes. experience, essentially. But not in person, yeah. virtually. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, I've done uh, like a little bit, of, it's tough too, because like, you know, I'm the leader of the company. So it's like, I'm the one who has to play it. Typically, like no one usually wants to bond with the CEO of the company in some ways. I mean, they do, but you know, I think that's know, an
0: issue too. Different way. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think that like the C suite and it has a gulf between them and, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the rest of the workforce, and yes, the hierarchy the, below them. the individual contributors, if you believe in your CEO, oftentimes that's mm-hmm. a shortcut into believing in the brand. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and some, and, and like that, that's a big deal. And within like large, uh, uh organizations where, where they're often put in front of, uh, as cultural leaders, that's usually a thing that you hear about is the fact that the CEO, it has some sort of approachability, but meanwhile, in a world with exclusively of Zooms, do you Zoom call your CEO out of the middle? Yeah, of no, because it's almost like it's
2: almost like the one on one nature of picking. So like it's you probably build relationships with your CEO when you have an in-person office by like running into them mm-hmm. or just like, you know, things like that, you know, and with this, with the remote culture, it's a lot, lot harder to get that exposure. Like it's really interesting. Like I mean, like I'll definitely share some insights inside of what we see at Endless is like I consider myself to be like extremely approachable, like mm-hmm. Like, I literally tell people, like, slack me anytime. Like, I make people feel really, really welcome. But still get feedback that people, there does feel like there's a gulf. Like, that there's space between me and anybody within the company that isn't somebody I see every single day. And so, like, I'm imagining that where I'm really approachable that there's probably people who are less approachable that the gulf is probably even wider.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's also a combination of, company structures and how many levels there are, you can be uh, the most approachable person. But if there's, you know, 10 middle managers between me to you, it's just the nature of the beast that I'm going to see the physical gulf that'll exist, you know, in the org structure on paper. Um, but Nick, I wanted to kind of circle back to what you were talking about into breaking the silos, you know, like that cross departmental connection point, you know um, obviously if you're, in a department and you're working with those people every day, you're gonna kind of create connection just by default, just because you're working with them. But how do you create that with people outside of your work? Um, <clears throat> and I love the work that a lot of companies are doing with uh, affinity groups and inclusion networks. Um, so I would love to see um, those groups start having their own meetings separate from kind of the global kind of corporate meetings. So if you've got a pride network at your company, you know, having an off-site event just for those that are uh, members of that affinity group and or allies. Um, same thing for people that are in the, you know, the BIPOC-related groups, if they have an opportunity to connect based on that. It can also be the groups that are more just about hobbies, you know, if you've got a gamer group, if you've got people that are in the book club, um, Toastmasters, all those different opportunities, having ways for them to connect in person in addition to, you know the teams and the the Zoom and the Slack, like that's great, but that in person connection just kind of transcends um, what you can do digitally.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think any kind of special interest group is is a ticket to find people whose uh, shared connectivity is not uh, derived from their position within the organization. The position within the organization isn't that significant, you know. Mm-hmm. In in the bond building, the upshots of those things are. Uh, you're, you know, there's, there's less us versus them. Oh, I know, you know, Joe over there in sales and he's, he's good. He's a good guy. Uh, you know, uh, like, let's, let's not all, you know, think that everybody's like this or like, let's give them a break. Like, uh, no, he wouldn't do that. Those types of things that are fostered from having personal connections with, with people outside of uh, the work group that you've been assigned is, is really, really uh I think speaks to bottom line and not just something that is about um, you know touchy feely stuff. Like it really comes down to uh, an organization working within its with the least amount of stress um, and the most amount of not just efficiency but like sense of belonging, which is I think the major gap between um the uh the efficient state that we're in and a, a time where people are staying within organizations like that's the target belonging and mm-hmm. belonging requires bond building exercises and, and those don't happen they they do happen potentially in a, in a work environment that is in a building where there's shared space and opportunity for human collision but in a, in a virtual space where everything is every single app and Every single platform is touting their ability to connect people in an efficient and fast manner and say, like, let's this this meeting could have been an email. It's like, well, yeah, the meeting could have been an email and the meeting uh, and the email could have not happened. And all these things. And what do you have? You have less interaction, less exchange, more people feeling like they're freelancers. And the difference between being in a Brady Bunch square for this group and that group really just comes down to who compensates you more. And that's what businesses want to, you know, alleviate is is not just like there is there is an answer to the great resignation, which is going to be a, a significant portion of every conversation, which is compensation. But outside of financial compensation is is everything else of making people feel as though they're taken care of. Uh, and those initiatives, I think, require a design mind like they, mm-hmm. they require experiments. They, they require testing everything that you would think of in design thinking. I think is applicable, uh, when you're, when you're working with your team.
1: Well, just think about the other factors that people take into mind when they're leaving a job. Is it about growth? Is it about other opportunities? Um, is it about intellectual challenge within the role? Is it about flexibility? Um, sometimes there's family related. It's not, it can be external factors to that position that have nothing to do with that position. It could be the team that you're working on. So my question is how can events speak to some of those push and pull factors of why people continue to stay at a company um, or why they decide to leave? Uh, like I said, could be any of those factors uh, that typically go into that decision.
2: Well, I think like one big reason why people want to stay within a company is trust. Like, it's why there's so many trust exercises within companies, you know, before, but like when you really trust you, you feel comfortable with the future, where it's going to go. You trust that someone's got your back, you feel safe, right? Like, and you look at like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like trust is like basically the fundamental of safety, uh, um, on there. And so like, I think that when it comes to building that trust, it's extremely hard to do over the internet, right? Like. Every, every sense of doubt and worry about trust is is hard to do over the internet, and and really one of the best ways you can do that is in person that you know that like you know like I don't know how to exactly how to explain it but like I, I, I think we've all felt it before that trust ultimately gets built when you're in person with somebody and you can feel that and I, I'm not sure if that comes from more like the human nature uh, aspect of things that like when we know someone's around us is gonna protect us that we feel safe and we feel like we can trust them but you know, I think you definitely build trust big time in person. And that's why that's where I think it's going to keep people coming back to your company, too. or are staying. Yeah, I mean, the
0: I, mean oh, go on, I was,
1: yeah. was going to say that I think to your point, Will, about building trust in person, I think a lot of that comes down to the social cues and physical, you know, uh, communication yeah, that gets really lost via a screen, either because it's a cameras off meeting and you can't see me anyway or uh, I feel like everyone's watching me, so I'm putting on my like show face, and you're mm. losing a lot of nuance and context. That if we were in person, I could kind of give you like, you know, that little look or that little glance <laughs> or smirk across the room, and you know, you can kind of or jab instantly. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. Instantly understand and have that um, that shared perspective in that moment. That that is really hard to translate virtually.
2: You know what someone yeah. said to me, once. Nick, you might have been the one who told me it's this, like, reason why we don't trust people online is because you can't see our hands and our full body or, like, our arms, so you just usually just see the head talking, so you had no idea what's happening in my hands, so I literally could have, like, a gun pointed at you right now, <laughs> you know, and you would have no idea, right? Like, that's, and I think our bot brains trigger that, someone told me that, like, our brains trigger that we can't see your hands, so we have to constantly mm-hmm. be on guard online, too.
0: Yeah. Verbal communication, uh, audio, uh, only communication is like 10% of communication. I think video and audio is 25. Uh, and then, uh, when you, you incorporate the entire body and a sense of presence and shared space, that's when you get the entire, uh, communication Uh, spectrum and, and, and sense of presence is, is a big one as well. Like you have to be You have to have a uh, a sense of presence in that shared space uh, for you to be able to ground yourself in it, and and that's where you're like, you know, they're putting on the show demeanor and this that. Those those artifices are stripped away when you have more uh, of a an idea of a shared space. So all of those things really build into why in person. Certainly, something I've had to articulate uh, in uh, over time when uh, considering you know different marketing budgets and like why why. Why is there trust acceleration in, in person? And I've had to articulate to that to certain CMOs who were uh, not necessarily uh, believers in live events as much. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, the The shared space and sharing is also a big deal. Uh, now, that said, th- that one of the, the hopes I have, you know, in, in Web 3.0 is the idea of digitizing shared spaces and in, in adding uh, a, a higher level of um, both sense of presence and uh, a, a comfort in identity uh, within a digital realm. So like a, a big, you know, one of the reasons that I've, I've devoted the last two years of my life to working towards um, uh, ends that help um bring people together in a digital way in in a three-dimensional space is because i think two-dimensional is really wanting it's it's really um so, so i i did a podcast uh on the other on the other podcast i did sorry i i have another one uh i apologize um
1: don't mention the for commercials yeah i didn't say insane. the name so it, it's <laughs> It's on yeah. you to
0: find it. Uh so uh, good luck. It, yeah, exactly. Good luck. There's lots it's of It's not as actually. well marketed as this one. <laughs> yeah, All right, sorry. Probably it, it <laughs> it's probably true. It's uh, that's because I have to do it. Uh but the um in that uh someone was uh, uh an academic uh, I was talking to told me that um that one of the reasons that we've had so many communications issues over the last ten years is that we haven't been communicating as people, we've been communicating as uh what is it, dehumanized um, Oh now I'm not gonna remember the term it was it was so dead on um, oh now I'm gonna have to stop and and uh, you're gonna talk and I'm gonna think of something else uh, that it not it's like symbols essentially but there was a better way to put uh, put it but essentially it was like symbols talking to symbols and that we've from an evolutionary standpoint we've not developed any skills to be able to read symbols and uh, reducted uh, images as people. So then we've been communicating not as people to people who are not at people. And it's stripped away a lot of our understanding and uh, ability to uh, have empathy. Uh, and it's uh, exacerbated uh, rhetoric. It's exacerbated um, uh, just all the social ills that have come from communication. And um, that's one of the things that if we had it more in person, uh, we'd have less of a, a problem you know for as well. And it can be overcome, and I think that really it requires design to overcome it and, and thus experiences. Um, I'm not saying that everybody has to come together. you know, your whole team doesn't have to come together in order to solve these problems, but it it's not going to happen. I don't think in a digital uh, environment by itself. Like it happens almost to a degree by itself in person. I think the reason why events is the solution is because events can be, you can game it uh, by design. Mm-hmm. I can remember that he had such a great term for it. I'm just going to kill me. That I can't remember. So
1: he's basically talking about keyboard warriors more, more or less, <laughs> but like it, it's, it's,
0: but as a pervasive thing, you know, like uh, in, in any exchange, the exchange is less likely to be uh, about bridging a gulf and coming together and more about uh, protecting your space. Uh, because, um, the, your, um, because the humanity has been stripped away, uh, and you are dealing with, uh, again, your whole body, uh, you feel uncomfortable being, um, in a position in front of someone, uh, who, uh, who you don't know, or you do know, and trying to be, uh, confrontational most people, uh, but in online, you don't. And, and that level of uncomfort really is because we're social creatures and our, our natural inclination is to come together uh, and is to um, be um, in in a non, you know, into to find a a, med- a medium, like a middle ground and the digital. Oh, it, that's what it was. We're, <laughs> I just remember the word uh, abstractions. So he said we're communicating as uh, uh, exclusively as abstractions and not as actual human beings. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to slip into uh, guarding and, and and living as a principle against other people's principles or ideas, as opposed to humanity, which is messy and in between, and we're comfortable with that if we're in mm-hmm. the room. But if we're not in the room, the inhuman abstractions have been communicating for ten years, and yeah. that's I think evident in a lot of a lot of social ills that currently exist. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it, I, the 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 hope I have is that we bring people together. By by our nature, like it's what we do, and that um, creating experiences and intentionally designed experiences specifically are ones that are that say, okay, we we recognize this to be the setting. Let's let's figure out what it would take to overcome that uh, through design thinking, and with that, I think that uh, a like we, we're not geared to solve productivity and that's not the problem. Good news. The prod, the problem is these feelings and these human uh, issues uh, where the uh, the technologies that exist uh, currently, I think are designed primarily to make robots work with robots. You know, like if it's, everything's about efficiency, I think we have technologies that solve that. I think it needs another level, which is a human level. And I would, um, you know, advocate for more designed experiences uh, as as the uh, cure?
1: I'm thinking about, um, there's a new app, and I probably should have looked it up, but <clears throat> it's essentially supposed to be like the anti-Instagram. Um, a lot of Gen Zers are using it, and essentially it's all about bringing vulnerability, um, removing kind of the Being your
2: authentic self.
1: Yeah, being your authentic self, authenticity. And it's about, um, they'll send you a random alert at some point in the day. You don't know when, it changes every day. And they'll say, take a picture of yourself, take a picture of your environment. And you only have like 30 seconds to do so, it's time. Um, And it's about removing that filter that so many people are putting out to the world. It's Mm -hmm. about letting people see you who you are, letting them see the the environment you're in, like you're not gonna have time to make it a perfectly aesthetic uh, Instagram worthy photo of your space. So, you know, let people in as you are. And I think that kind of speaks to what you're talking about, Nick, of, you know, screens talking to screens rather than people talking to people and letting people in and having those conversations where, yeah, people might be diametrically opposed because of their different platforms or their different beliefs, but the human experience has a lot of nuance. It has a lot of gray. It has a lot of, yes, sometimes it depends in this setting and that setting. Um, and when you have that screen or that filter in between, it becomes much more black and white and much more right or wrong or yes or no. Um, and so finding ways to bring more of that vulnerability more of that authenticity forward and allowing, like, to your point, Will, that emotional safety where people feel safe to put their guard down, Um, that's what's going to be key. And I think that's what events have the power to do, because if we're removing, I mean, obviously there may be events where it's, you know, we're talking about business that affects our day-to-day jobs, but at the end of the day, are you providing connection points where people can just be humans? Is it, you know, us playing a fun game of Dance Dance Revolution? (laughs) Is it us having, you know, some downtime kind of um, relaxation pods where people who may be more introverted, who want to connect in more of a one-on-one way? What does that look like? But are we providing opportunities for people to let down their, like, corporate mask and bring their authentic full selves to that experience?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, a good I one. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting into the conversations now around web three, and the idea that uh, the, the identity that people crave in that environment frequently are, um, are ones that they build themselves. And, but yeah. that said, it, it's still more, they feel more comfort in that, which mm-hmm. I, I'm really wrestling with, of the idea of, Authenticity through uh, designed avatars, or like um, self-expression through that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so my 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 pushback on that idea. While I find some truth in the idea that like your identity uh, is uh, malleable, and it, it's it, it's it, it's as much of a. I think every single person creates their identity, and there is no like black and white. This is a proven identity. This isn't. It's all. It's all up for grabs. It's all, you know, whatever you want it to be. Uh, I do find that like the communication element of it to be challenging. Uh, if you were to consider like, how would you, um, how would you do a sale? Will, if you were, um, talking to someone who was, uh, an avatar was like a dinosaur with a cowboy hat or something like that. Like, (laughs) Would it? Be I mean, difficult? I'd be like,
2: I'd be like, so let's talk about why you chose it. I'd first ask him like, how do? you, It's almost like, you know what? Like, okay, I'll a tamer example of this. Like, you know, I think and to use an analogy, like, constantly for a long time, I was always afraid to like use the like cartoon avatars at endless because you know is that un, is that unprofessional? I had this backdrop with like the Funko Pops and everything like that before. Like, my office was a very boring backdrop for all my calls, right? And this before we, we were remote. And then I went remote, and I started putting like the co- the comic book cutouts and things like that. And I've seen more growth of this company since I've done that. And then not and not to say that that attributes to the results that we've seen, but like I've closed plenty of contracts. And I think like one of the things I've learned is that like you know if you if someone really doesn't want to buy from you, they're like they're gonna they'll blame it on the avatar. They'll blame it on you know some small like superficial thing. But in reality it was something else. Your pricing, you weren't professional, whatever the heck it may have been. But like, I've always seen the self-expression of my backdrop of my calls to be like so important to me that I'm now, I mean, since I, I started doing event icons, I think I was looking at my LinkedIn like six years ago or so or something like that, seven years ago. And that was about the time I started doing the Funko Pops and the cardboard cutouts. And since then, I've made it made gone out of my way to make sure I always have bookshelves right behind me in all my shots in fact my last office where the bookshelves were so far away that people could barely tell what was on them it felt not like it was part of my my setup and now I'm much closer again to the bookshelves and people again ask me about it and it's like it's that important to me in that similar way and that's like you know bookshelves with toys on them and books and things like that is a tame example compared to the the dinosaur in the 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 with the cowboy hat but i think that people really want to know who each other are ultimately but i don't know if it's necessarily our job as event professionals to do that like i don't i think that like there will always be the desire for people to present themselves differently in front of different people for different reasons and things like that i think the best thing that we can do is just continue to create that safe environment where they feel comfortable they can do that um right like you like if you're gonna do an internal event where you bring your company together, don't make it just about like rah, 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 yeah, wear your company t-shirt, all these things like that, be like no, in fact like wear whatever the hell you wanna wear and like let's get to know each other really, really well um, on there too. But I I probably come from more of a liberal like workspace place too that like, you know, I've never really had to worry about HR related issues as much. So I think that that, that's something to kind of keep in mind. But I think the second that you start forcing everybody in a mold, like that's when you don't get people's authentic
0: selves. Sorry, I totally interrupted you, Nick. (laughs) No, 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 that's great. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a take. I mean, I think that like, there's, there's all these things that we can use that are essentially avatars more or less that, that, you know, is somebody wears a suit, somebody wears a t-shirt. It's all, it's all adding up to, you know, self-expression as a way to uh, communicate, uh, your beliefs, your personality, and I mean, they're all these are nonverbal signals as well, right? I mean, it's certain industries like banking, for instance, do, you know they don't have uh, you know a, a, a jeans on Fridays because uh, they they believe that like as a as an industry, they have to uh, portray a certain uh, type regardless like they they force that on people. Um, it's uh it's definitely. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna get crazier though. I mean, it's gonna get really, you know, when you're, when you've dealt with someone exclusively and you know someone and you're friends with someone potentially, and you only know them as their, their digital mask. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't think it really matters to an extent when it comes to like being friends with somebody or in a B2C like way or, or whatever. But when it comes to business, like it's very interesting to not know who you're working with or not necessarily know if they're listening, uh, from an, an, an internal standpoint. Um, these are all things that um, I think we're going to have to traverse. But like at the end of the day, like I think when you push on one thing, it pulls on another. And I think an unprecedented uh, uh, time of um, productivity means something else is getting pushed. I think it's culture. I think it's belonging. I think it's um, feeling as though you have some sort of tether to... Uh, not just your workload, but to other human beings, and um, I think I think that's something for us to think you know, to work towards. As far as people with our skill sets who are listening to this, I think that there's there's a way for you to to add to that and to um, to make uh, make a dent in that problem uh, in a way that I think if it was flipped, you couldn't. You know, I don't I think most event professionals are necessarily as skilled in making the work life of people more productive, but I think we have the opportunity to make people feel like they're cared for. I think that's in our wheelhouse. So to me, I look for those kinds of problems uh, that utilize the skill sets of people who are, you know, designing things.
1: Absolutely. I think we have a certain set of skills that we have acquired (laughs) over a long period of time (laughs) that can uh, definitely be applied to uh, this situation.
0: Uh, Liam Neeson <laughs> and we will a find Liam you. Neeson quote, yes. <laughs> we
1: will find you. We will bring you together at a company retreat and we will help you connect.
0: Man, that should be an ad for something. That's great. <laughs> Somebody make that into an ad. That's, that's a, a new big. Endless Events ad. <laughs> well, we to have our listeners,
1: to our listeners out there, thanks for listening to this episode. We want to hear from you. Um how do you think you know, events will affect the Great Resignation. Do you think it'll help? Do you think it'll make a dent at all? We want to hear from you. So email us, eventbrew at helloendless.com. We want to hear your thoughts and uh, maybe you'll hear your thoughts on a future episode.
2: Love it. All right. Well, thanks, thanks, Deanna, for leading us on your first intro and outro. You killed it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. you know, this is definitely uh, a culture of uh, trial by fire. So, you know... (laughs) uh, (laughs) We yeah, we'll like like to expose people to different things you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's more fun you know like you yeah. you might take a new approach to it that we never thought before but yeah deanna you killed it nick thanks, thanks. for for joining too sure
0: anytime <laughs>
1: until All next right. time.
2: until next time
1: bye
0: bye thanks again for listening to event brew be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.